So uh, let me pray, and we're going to look into God's Word this morning. Um, we do believe, God, in your Holy Spirit, and uh, we believe in the invisible world. We believe that you're able to accomplish things in our lives that have nothing to do with our own ability or skill or intelligence, but it's all about the supernatural power of your Holy Spirit. So even as we look into your Word today, um, we need your Holy Spirit. Uh, to open the eyes and the hearts of our, the eyes and the ears of our heart. Um, we need our minds awake, but we need our hearts more awake. So God, open up our hearts so we can hear what you have to say to us. And we ask all in Christ's name, amen. So, um, sometimes you might wonder, maybe you don't wonder, the way I, how I decide what I'm going to preach on in a, on a given week or during a year, given period of time. And I just got done uh, preaching through John 17. If you've been here, you kind of knew that. But I, I, uh, I have, throughout the years, I've had different ways I go about trying to figure out what's next. So today I'm doing something different. And um, I try, as much as I understand how to, to ask God, God, what do the people of Exodus need to hear? Actually, the statement I've made in prayer to God is, what do the people of Exodus need to hear from you through my mouth? What do they need to hear? What God, what do they need to hear from you but through my mouth? Because they don't need to hear from me, they need, you, you need to hear from God, right? So this last week, I, uh, you know, last Sunday, I kind of thought, I think I'm done with John 17. Um, and maybe you were done with it too, I don't know, maybe you're tired of it, I don't know, hope not. But I, and I, told, I think I told Kathy, I don't know, Tuesday or Wednesday or sometimes, like, I don't, I don't know what to speak on this Sunday. Um, and it wasn't that I don't have options, I mean, I have a whole Bible, right? But I didn't know. I thought, I don't know what God wants me to speak on. And so it kind of, I feel a little anxious sometimes, but you know, by Thursday or Friday, I was like, I don't, I mean, I thought about different things. I thought about options, but nothing kind of resonated. Well, then I was, uh, I put on a t-shirt this week that I haven't worn in a long time in the back. It's from about years ago in ministry and the back of the t-shirt had a Bible verse on it that was really meaningful for me at that time. And I actually thought, oh, God, do you want me to speak about this? And I felt like, well, yeah, speak on the t-shirt verse, you know, whatever. But there's a reason I'm going to do that. And, I, but it, and, and, and usually then when I land on, I think this is what, and this is, how, this is possible for all of you, I think this is what God's saying to me. Sometimes you kind of hold it for a couple days and just see if it still resonates. I mean, God may be telling you that about changing jobs or who to marry or those kind of things. You kind of think it's God, and then you kind of hold it and see if it resonates. And when it does, you're like, okay, God, as much as I know, I think this is you, I'm going to go with it. So hopefully that's true of all the sermons I do, but this week I just wanted to kind of explain how I do that. So, um, so I'm going to start off with this, uh, go, to the, go to the You Are Here map. And the next one, yeah, yeah, you are, you've seen those things before, and I actually just taped an X into the ground here. And, you know, we, we, it's a sense of, usually it's because you're on a map or in a mall or something like that. But I wanted to kind of address the You Are Here, like this time of your life, not here in this building, but where are you right now? And let me just tell what I mean by that. So I'm, I'm 59 years old, so I am here. Most of you are on that side. I'm, 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 this way is death, I guess I'm saying, but most of you are on that side of me, all right? So, uh, but you're all somewhere in your life right now. Whether you're 59, 29, 19, whatever, you are somewhere. And, and most of us, you know, if this is the way we're supposed to be heading, we think, well, I'm supposed to be following Jesus. I need to go that way, follow Jesus. And, but most of us, we're honest, 
we're doing our best just to make it to the next day because we're trying to figure out the big what's God doing what's he want for me now that I'm a Christian now what so uh but like I said I'm 59 and I, I turned 59 back in November and I actually sensed that was that I that I in my interaction with God about all this I'm not around my birthday I thought I I'm not done with I mean, I'm 59, but the Christian life is not like this. It's not like the work life. You work, you hit 65, and then you kind of, you know, the Christian life for all of us should be kind of this upward, I learn to trust God more. I learn to expect more from God. I learn to trust God more. And I don't care whether you retire or not. The graph doesn't start going down. So I had this sense that I, I, I kind of made this agreement with God that I want the next 10 years of my life to be the best 10 years of my life, spiritually relationally with my, my marriage with my family but i don't want to think of the next 10 years of oh i can't wait to retire because I, I i mean I, I look forward to retiring i guess someday but i don't want to think that way i want to think the next 10 years is about next best 10 years of my life so i want to i want to challenge all of you to think that way right now whether whether you're you know like i said 19 29 39 49 59 anywhere in between i want you to think about what do you want for the next 10 years of your life from god what, what do you expect from God? Or do you just think, you know, I just hope 10 years from now I'm alive and I'm healthy. And, and that's good, but I'm hoping all of you have hopes and faith that's bigger than that. And you might think, well, I don't, I'm, just, I'm just happy to survive and stay above the water level. But I'm going to challenge you to not be happy with just staying alive and staying above the water level. So 10 years from now, just think, think right now in your mind, how old will you be? It shouldn't be hard to add 10 to your current age, but how old will you be? And what you think, hope, might have happened in your life over the next, that, ne that decade of time. And I'm not saying necessarily how big your bank account is or family, kids, whatever. I'm talking about your, your, what's going on in your heart and your spiritual life. Who do you want to be? And so, um, and here's the passage I want to, look at today, and this was the ones on the back of a t-shirt I have, um, and this is, comes from Ephesians chapter 3, and this is Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote this, he wrote most of the letters in the New Testament, and uh, this particular letter, as with a number of his letters, he was in prison in Rome, and that's important because I'll mention that later, but this is one of the things he says, and I was going to, we're going to, this is the only thing we're going to look at today, this verse, I'm going to look at some other things, this is the kind of center of when you think about, you know, I am here and what your ten years, next ten years look like. Paul says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish, say those next two words with me, infinitely more. One more time. Infinitely more than we might ask or think. That God might accomplish infinitely more than what we ask or think. Some versions say ask or imagine, but he can do more than I've ever thought he can do. Now, go to the next slide, because different versions, so and that's the key word there, infinitely, God can do infinitely more than what you've ever thought he could do over the next 10 years of your life, right? Now, go to the next slide. So, different versions translate those same words, you know, the Bible's written in Greek, so the, one of the Greek words actually is the word, like, it's, it's the same word we get our word hyper from, like, he's hyperactive, it's like, it's like exceedingly so some versions say infinitely more, some say far more abundantly, exceedingly abundantly more, immeasurably more. Uh, the version called the message, which is a, a paraphrase, the writers say this way, 
God can do more than you've ever imagined. So God can accomplish over the next 10 years of your life infinitely more. I'm going to go back to the other one. Just go back. Stay on this one, I think. I'm just going to stay on this one. I'm going to talk to their PowerPoint, so I want you to stay on this one. God can accomplish infinitely more. Actually, say, say all the yellow words with me. Here we go. Ready? Infinitely more, far abundantly, far more. Sorry, I messed up. Start over. Infinitely more, far more abundantly, exceedingly abundantly more, immeasurably more. Last line with me. Then we might ask or think. And some versions even say that we might even imagine. Like, God can accomplish more in your life. He will accomplish more in your life. Then we might add, then you might even imagine could it be true in your life 10 years from now. And again, I'm not saying size of your bank account, career path or anything like that. I'm saying about who you are. You know, the quality and the level and the, of your joy and your hope and your peace and your, your relationships become more thriving. That's what, I, that's what I'm hoping you think about. So, you know, but you read this verse and, you know, at first reading you kind of think, yeah, that's, that's kind of a nice saying. It's kind of a big dream, but sometimes, and I'm this way, I can put into the category of somebody saying, you can be whatever you want to be. Well, we know that's not totally true, right? I, I, I was never destined to be an NBA basketball player. I don't have it. I don't have it in me. Or somebody says, you know, follow your dreams. You can, you know, whatever you dream, you can be, and, da, 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 and all these. And they're nice sayings that go really good on posters or postcards or, you know, Hallmark cards. But we look at those sayings and you're like, yeah, maybe. For some people. But probably not for me. Because there's a little bit kind of uh, big dreamy, almost like, I'm not really realistic, daydreaming almost. And there's sometimes Bible passages we treat that way. It's like, you know, my God can do all things, and uh, he can do this and this. And, and, but but, but you've, had this, you've had enough of a spiritual life at this point where you're like, yeah, that hasn't been true in my life. I, I don't know that I've, some of you might say, I don't know that I've seen infinitely more, far more abundantly, exceedingly abundantly more, immeasurably more God doing things in my life. I mean, he's doing good things in my life, but that just seems kind of like big. So then I thought, okay, it's, it's, but it's more than just a wish dream. It's more than just a saying on a, on a greeting card or a coffee mug. Because as I was reading this this week, I thought, let's just think about who said this. Who wrote this? All right, like I said, the, the book of Ephesians was a letter written to Christians in Ephesus. And it was written by Paul. And some of you might know Paul's story. I'm going to rehearse a little bit here. But I want you to think about, okay, Paul wrote this. And he wrote this not as a motivational speaker. He wrote this in prison. And I'm sure as he wrote this to encourage them, he was reflecting on his own life. Because Paul is a testament of the fact that God does exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably, infinitely more than you've ever thought he could do in your life. All right? So just, uh, Chris, just leave it on this slide for now. Just leave it on this one. Let me just kind of rehearse some things in, in Paul's life. All right? So Acts chapter 9 Paul used to be called Saul. Most of you probably know that. He hated followers of Jesus. He would have been put in the category of least likely to ever be a follower of Jesus. He didn't only hate them. He was authorized to find them, arrest them, bring them back to Jerusalem in chains with the hope, with, Paul's, with Saul, his name was Saul, with his hope that they would be killed because they followed Jesus. He was present when Stephen was stoned to death. 
all right, least likely to become a follower of Jesus, this guy named Saul. Very religious, but very anti-Jesus. So then you might know his conversion story, this dramatic conversion on the road. He was going, he was going somewhere to find Christians to arrest, and he gets overcome by this bright light, and it's Jesus talks to him, and, and Saul, that we know Saul, becomes renamed Paul, and he becomes this super zealous, devoted follower of Jesus, all right? If, as Paul's looking back on his life, he knows, this is where he is now, that he knows where he was. He was a hater of Jesus. And he would say, okay, God did infinitely more, far more abundantly more than I would have ever imagined. Can you imagine if you were somebody who was a follower of Jesus and you knew Paul? I mean, Ananias was somebody who God sent to go talk to Paul after his conversion. And Ananias was like, I'm not going to go talk to him. You know, God, you know what he does to curses. He kills them. But when Ananias sees what happens, or what happened to Paul, and then Paul's probably recounting this, Paul's like, let me tell you, what happened in my life was exceedingly abundantly, immeasurably more than I could have ever imagined or anybody could have imagined. And I'm saying that with this situation because I don't know, you, you, you all know people who don't follow Jesus. Friends of yours, family, co-workers. And I'm sure of some of them you think, yeah, they're, they're on that least likely to follow Jesus list. I just don't see it happening. Don't ever discount the fact that God does exceedingly, abundantly, infinitely, immeasurably more than you've ever asked or imagined. Don't ever, don't ever put that person in a category outside of what God can do. Who knows 10 years from now, the people in your life who are following Jesus, who right now you think that'll never happen. And you think, well, I hope so. But just make sure you have this kind of faith that God can do those kind of things. Because Paul was definitely in the category of, I can never imagine that guy becoming a follower of Jesus. But God, who does exceedingly abundantly and measurably more than we've ever asked or imagined, that's what he did. So Paul's writing that not as a coffee mug phrase. He's writing that as, hey, I'm, that's me. All right? That's one part of Paul's life. Well, then in uh, Acts chapter 14, Paul's traveling with Barnabas, and they're in a city called Iconium. And Paul's, Paul didn't sign up for this. He just knew God wanted him to follow him. And then we read that he, would, he and Barnabas were healing people. Like supernaturally healing people. The Bible calls it signs and wonders. And I'm sure when Paul woke up on that morning and these things started to happen, I'm sure he wasn't like planning for it to happen. And I'm sure Paul looks back at that time as he's writing this in prison in, Epi in, in Rome and he's probably like, you know what? God can do exceedingly abundantly, immeasurably more than you've ever thought he can do. And you might think, wait a minute, Matt, are you saying that God can heal people through us? God can do anything through us. Don't ever think he can't do that. So pray for people's healing. It's not, it's, not, it's not like a lever you pull and God has to do it, but pray for their healing. Do whatever you, God asks you to do for someone's healing. But don't ever discount the fact that God supernaturally will do things in people's lives, in their physical bodies, that you've never imagined could happen. And you might say, well, I know stories, but it hasn't happened. That's true. We all know that. But don't ever discount the reality that God can do that in somebody's life. And Paul knows that, right? Paul's like, 
I didn't know what was going on. All of a sudden, we were touching people, and they were being healed, and people who couldn't walk were walking because God does infinitely, immeasurably, exceedingly abundantly more than we've ever asked or imagined. All right. All right, a couple more. This is in Acts 14 later. Paul, Paul is in a city of Lystra, uh, Lystra and Derby, kind of two cities by each other. And uh, he so much irritated the Jews who didn't follow Jesus that they literally stoned Paul and left him for dead. The Bible says they drug him outside the city, they stoned him, and they left him for dead. The very next sentence says, then Paul's friends came around him, and Paul got up the next day, or Paul got up and went with them. And the next day he went to the next town to do more ministry. And I'm thinking, one, thought he was dead. Some commentators think he was dead. We don't know. But whatever, he was not in good shape after being stoned, probably bruised and bloody. And he, and he gets up the next day, or he gets up, and then the next day he goes on to the next city to do the exact same thing that irritated the people they stoned him for. So here I'm not saying God can do exceedingly abundantly in terms of his healing, because Paul must have been healed in some fashion. He goes, I don't think you're stoned one day to the point of they thought you were dead, and the next day you're walking out of the city. But I'm thinking about what kind, of, what kind of courage did God birth in Paul that Paul's like, I'm going to go on to the next city. That's exceedingly abundantly more than I ask or imagine. I mean, if that's me, I'm thinking, or maybe that's you, we're, we might be thinking, let's lay low for a few weeks, maybe a few months. Let the wounds heal. Let the, let the tensions die down before we get back into ministry because I don't want that to happen again understandable we'd be fearful i don't want that to happen again so i'm here i'm talking about that god did in paul's life infinitely more far more abundantly seemingly abundantly more immeasurably more with just his courage it's like how do you keep doing that and again i'm sure when paul writes this statement these things flash through his memory two more this is in Acts 16 paul and silas are in prison in philippi and you might know this story if you grew up in church. It was a you know, famous story you hear it often in kids' ministries. But they're in prison. And I, I think I knew this, but I'd forgotten it until I read it again this week. Because they were in prison because they were talking about Jesus. Right? They weren't in prison because they were speeding or anything. They were talking about Jesus. And before they were put in prison, they were beaten with rods. Sometimes, sometimes it's, we kind of read... Especially in Acts, we read those passages and, and we conveniently kind of skip over those in our mind. But they were beaten with rods, which doesn't sound very, sounds pretty painful, almost debilitating, and then put into this dark, dank Roman dungeon, or Philippian dungeon. And I'm sure their wounds weren't t tended to. And again, the average human being, Paul and Silas, would probably just sit in the corner and kind of wonder why, why God didn't intervene and what's going on and what, they're probably incredible pain and bruised and bloodied. They start singing. They start singing hymns. And I'm sure the other prisoners who were, probably knew what had happened then were probably thinking, who are you guys? Where is that coming from? They just beat you with sticks. Rods, actually, not sticks. Sticks sounds like little stick rods, probably poles, right? Who, who does that? Who, 
who gets beaten and then turns around and praises and sings to God when God could have... But they, it's like, who does that? And you might remember the story as they're singing, all of a sudden an earthquake happens, coincidentally. The prison doors swing open. The jailer is so concerned, he thinks the prisoners probably escaped because the jail's, he's getting ready to kill himself. And Paul's like, no, 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 we're all here. None of us have escaped. And the Philippian jailer says, well, he's amazed because he probably heard the singing happening. He's like, okay, what do I have to do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's one of those things where it's like, how, how did Paul and Silas respond that way? sing that way well it's because god was doing infinitely abundantly immeasurably more than they've ever thought could be possible they had a degree of perseverance and courage and peace about them that is irrational and if it's irrational it usually means they're supernatural behind it so when paul's writing this he's able to god's able to do through his power at work within us. The word for power in this passage is the same. The Greek word actually is, uh, in the second line there, the Greek word for power is dunamis, where we get a word dynamite. To the power of God at work in us. So, again, I'm guessing none of us are going to find ourselves in Roman or Philippian jails beaten with rods. But I'm pretty positive all of us are going to find ourselves in a situation where we feel beat down. We feel kind of almost hopeless we feel like maybe god's abandoned us and at those moments maybe at those moments the most is when god can do in, in infinitely abundantly excessively exceedingly more than you've ever asked or imagined because god can breathe life back into your spirit when you feel like you've been forgotten and beaten down mainly because you maybe follow because you follow jesus so don't ever, when you think about the next 10 years of your life and things, don't ever discount the fact that God can do exceedingly, abundantly more than you've ever asked or imagined in your life or in the lives of your family. Last one, and this is, uh, I'm going to read this passage from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. If I can, I had, I had it marked, but I probably unmarked it somehow. Here we go. This is where Paul kind of, uh, he, he kind of account, recounts all the ways he suffered for Jesus. And uh, I'll just read it because it's, 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 uh, it's pretty stunning, all right? Paul says this, um, I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers, danger from robbers. I have faced danger from even my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, danger in the deserts, danger in the seas, and I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, and during many sleepless nights, I've been hungry, I've been thirsty, I've often gone without food, I've shivered in the cold, 
without enough clothing to keep me warm. That's enough to, for some people to say, I'm done. I'm done following Jesus. That's a pretty impressive or depressive list. So that he's had a lot of stuff happen to him because he follows Jesus. A lot of stuff. A lot of oppressive, painful, suffering stuff. And he's writing this particular statement from Ephesians from a jail in Rome. Also from the jail in Rome, he wrote the Philippians letter, which is the book of Philippians. And he writes about being joyful. And it's like, wait a minute. Paul, should I read this list to you again of all the things you've been through? How in the world are you joyful? Yeah, surviving. We'll take surviving. We'll take you've survived all this. But you're saying, I've survived all this, but I am joyful. Like joyful, like big joyful. Like 24-point font and a 12-font paper. I'm joyful. And it's like, again, my response is, who, who, who can be that way? Where does he get that from? How can he go through all that stuff? And then he says, and he's joyful while he's still in prison... As you're recounting all these things that have happened to him, and again, I'm looking at my, I mean, I, my 10-year window, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying the next 10 years of my life or your life are going to be full of painful things, but they will be filled with things, potholes, things like that. And how do you maintain, not just maintain joy, but Paul actually, his joy was like this waterfall. And I'm saying, well, that's because. God can accomplish infinitely more, far more abundantly, exceedingly abundantly more, amazingly more than you've ever thought he could do. And Paul's not any kind of superhero. He didn't have superhero. He wasn't on the Avengers movies. He, he doesn't have any super strength. Actually, we, what we know of him, he, most people think he was kind of a frail man. But yet there was something about his spirit and his soul because of the power of God working in him that he was a he was a testament of the exceeding abundantly power of God to do things in your life. So don't discount what God can do in your life. Don't discount the possibility of what God can do in the lives of those that you think are far from God. Don't discount what God can do in your life when you feel at your lowest. You feel you're most discouraged, maybe most beaten down. Um, most, you might even feel abandoned by God. I, I, I'm, I can't imagine that Paul didn't feel abandoned by God at times. But he kept going. Because he knew he wasn't abandoned by God. He probably felt that he was, but he knew he wasn't. And he kept going, and he writes about contentment and joy and peace. When he's in a Roman prison, he never got out alive. He ended up being beheaded. But, and so I, I look at a guy like Paul, and I think, who is this guy? Who can be that way? And it's like, well, it's because of the mighty power, God's mighty power at work within him. Paul's no different than any of us. None of us. He's an ordinary guy. He didn't have any super access to God any more than you or I have. So, you know, you are here right now, but the next 10 years of your life, I think it would be exciting to see the ways which you experience the exceeding, immeasurable, uh, far, than you, far more than you can imagine work of God in your life. In the lives of your kids, your friends, your family, your spouses, whatever. But God can do that. So, 
Remember that's the God you serve. And this is not super, this is not like watching a superhero movie where like Superman can do that, but I can't. This is Paul, who was a very kind of average man in terms of physical, and he was also one who hated God and was far from God, but look what God does in his life. And the Bible is full of stories of people like this. But I just wanted to, when I, like I said, when I, re, when I realized Paul's the one who wrote this, I thought, let's recount Paul. So when Paul writes this, it's not a coffee mug slogan. It's not a Hallmark slogan. It's a, hey, let me tell you that God can do way more than you've ever thought he can do in, in the deepest parts of your being. So, um, and I don't even know what all of you are going through right now in your life. I mean, we're all going through, everybody goes through different stuff, and some of you may be going through things that none of us know about. Um, some of us, we may know about, and things like that, and... Um, Got some interaction from Judy Downey. You know Bill and Judy, and Judy has a stem cell transplant in the next few weeks, I think. And, you know, but she's not superpower, but, but God can do infinitely exceeding more in her life and her body than, than she or we have ever asked or imagined. It's like he can do that in our lives. So um, I will uh, go ahead and skip now to the red slide, uh, Chris, to the very end. Yeah, because we finish every week with communion at Exodus. Exodus, yeah, Exodus. I was like, am I in the right place? I'm 59, right? I'm kind of losing my mind. That <laughs> was kind of a weird moment. It's like, anyway. Um, yeah, I, anyway, I used to lead a ministry called Connection years ago. And I thought when I said Exodus, I thought I said Connections. That's why I was like, what did I just say? So I got, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm senile, I guess. I don't know. Go, oh, what happened? Go back to, uh, here we go. This is, again, Paul. Paul writing to the Corinthians. And, you know, we think about Paul's history up to writing these points. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. Like, how in the world is this, this Roman emblem of crucifixion and humility and everything? How, how has that become the source of this infinite, exceedingly abundantly power that God works in life? And then Paul says, but... But for we who are being saved, we know it's the very power of God. Because the power of God is unleashed in, in Jesus who let himself be arrested, tortured, crucified. But it's unleashed and released in the resurrection. So when we, when we take communion, um, we're, not just, we're not simply celebrating the death of Jesus. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus that, of course, the death was part of. And the resurrection power, and the Bible tells us the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in, is in us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in me and you. And it's that power that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably, far more than we've ever imagined, imagined or even dreamed about. So, so uh, everybody has on your table the little portable communion things. So... Um, Jesus said when he was, when he was uh, serving the disciples at the Last Supper, he said, every time you eat this and drink this, remember me, remember me, remember me. And again, he's not asking us to remember how awful the cross was. We should, we should note that. We know that. He's asking us to remember the kind of power he promised each and every one of those men around the table and each and every one of us and, and what he was able to do in each of us because of his power in us. So uh, as you remember, as you take this, maybe you're, what you're remembering now is that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably more than you've ever asked or imagined in your life. Maybe you need to remind, be reminded of that right now. 
wherever you are right now, but especially the next 10 years. But right now, you might need to know that. So as you take, go ahead and rip it open or whatever you need to do to get that open and take it. But maybe that's what you're remembering. You're taking in the power of Jesus to do way more uh, than you've ever asked or imagined. All right. And then Aaron's going to come up and lead us in the one song, two songs, Aaron. And then uh, once you've taken, you can feel free to stand up and sing.